Andrew Faust, Permaculture Perspectives. I'm here by the stream at the Center for Bioregional Living. And I'm thinking about how Martin Luther King Jr. inspired me yesterday to really engage on the topic of nonviolence and how critical it is to the work that we do at the Center for Bioregional Living here. And broadly speaking, the permaculture vision entails and encompasses a strong emphasis on nonviolence and ultimately providing more than enough for all the world's people as the solution for a huge range of political and social conflicts that we are finding ourselves in the midst of. The permaculture approach that so beautifully synthesizes and builds on my upbringing as a Quaker with this emphasis on nonviolence and a demilitarization of our political system and a really humanization of it, actually creating a government and a political process that is by the people and for the people. How we go about doing this in permaculture is very much akin and building upon much of the work that Martin Luther King Jr. with the civil rights work and Malcolm X with the Black Panthers and radical feminists with the amendments to our constitutions that came through with the women's movement in the early 70s. And permaculture builds on these things because it's based on this egalitarian vision of our society that equalizes all of the disparities from a material perspective that tend to be the foundation of much of the conflict that we see in the modern world. So that the, the philosophy of permaculture is beyond the political paradigms of the 20th century that used frameworks and categories that frankly are dated and have a lot of baggage. So let me frame what I'm talking about here as going beyond capitalism, socialism, Marxism, free market enterprise, going beyond the notion of simply nonviolence and solving conflict in other ways than with violent means, permaculture is saying, by creating a culture and an environment and landscapes that provide more than enough for the people who live in them, we will solve most of, if not all of, the political challenges that are framed by these, shall I say, antiquated ideologies of the 20th century that are fraught both with baggage and perspectives that no longer avail us. (coughs) 
And so permaculture is a more mature response, a, I would say, more evolved consciousness of our place in the world, meaning it's more evolved in the sense that it attempts to incorporate and add to the insights, the concerns of some of the most radical perspectives of our present society and take those radical perspectives and bring them in to the middle ground by recognizing that they may seem radical, that is, to achieve meeting the needs, giving rights to good air, good water, and good food, and a good life to everyone, that this is well within our means, physically, materialistically, economically, and that we have a moral and ethical obligation to begin to take active and very uh, rapid measures to bringing about this quality of life, this good life for all human beings on the earth today. And that that is the, the big work the real work, the great work of permaculture. And arguably permaculture alone, as far as I know, that takes it outside of any religious or spiritual perspective and says, this is just an ethical and moral imperative that any thinking, caring, aware human being must attend to in their lifetime just by virtue of the fact that we are a human being. We can identify with the values of permaculture based on the most really minimal uh, architecture of predicate, like the human body and the fact that we exist in one and that that has knowable characteristics to it in terms of lineage and longevity and who comes after us. And so permaculture takes this broad view and says, let's address the concerns of socialism, Marxism, capitalism, feminism, racism, and let's address social justice issues and contamination legacies and potential hazards to our well-being from electromagnetic pulses from the sun, and let's set up an infrastructure that's truly by the people, for the people, and no longer has to adopt various extremist methods in order to achieve having a good life. That a good life is about food security, water security, energy security, and having the ability to know that most of what it is that is making your life comfortable and enjoyable is coming from near at hand and that you have a direct knowable relationship with it, with your food, with your energy, with the materials that we daily engage with in our lives to fulfill what our calling, meaning, and basic necessities are. So I'm going to elaborate further today on some of Martin Luther King Jr.'s insights from a lecture that we, and a speech we listened to yesterday, one of his later speeches in a homage to his Memorial Day yesterday, 
and I'll be continuing that broadcast. All right, stay tuned. Picking up the thread of where are the intersections between the work of so many important nonviolent activists and civil rights activists and the work of permaculture design. And that is, in particular, the theme that I'm exploring today, the connection between a speech that Martin Luther King Jr. gave late in his career in 1968, a career clearly, as we all know, cut prematurely short. And I want to take some key concepts from this speech that he gave and elaborate on some of the points that King outlined, that Dr. King outlined in that speech. First, I just want to take a few of my favorite quotes from it. Here's one. He says, We are tied together in a single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. He goes on to say, We must all learn to live together as brothers, or we will all perish together as fools. And he also went on to say some more slightly esoteric philosophical things like, for some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And he says that whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. So I really liked what King was saying towards the end of that speech. He, he went on to say that Instead of building military bases, we should be building bases of concern and understanding. He said, there must be something positive and massive to end racism in this country. And what he was outlining with the focus of this speech was that ultimately, King said, a great nation is a compassionate nation. And he said, we are challenged to eradicate the last vestiges of racial injustice. It is still the black man's burden and the white man's shame. And he also went on to say, it is not either violence or nonviolence. It is either nonviolence or non-existence. Which comes back to, we are tied together in a single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. And what we see is that the interrelationships between people, between countries, is where our real leverage opportunity lies, the ability to 
reach out to one another and support each other where we need it. Bases of concern and understanding is a great way to turn the agenda of a military focus to a humanitarian focus. The ending injustices, ending racism, ending poverty by assisting where assistance is needed and requested, not by going around and playing some global savior figure, but rather practically and in very accessible ways being present in places where there is real need. And this is part of what we can see connects the work of permaculture with the work of nonviolent practitioners, civil rights activists, women's activists, and farmers' rights all around the world, which is the same ground, the same foundation that we're all speaking from, which is the foundation of being connected to the earth, being connected to the practicalities of life, and recognizing that until everyone has enough, until there's really nobody left out in the cold, then we still have a great deal of work to do to make sure that everybody does have enough and that no human being is left out in an undesirable situation because their society didn't make sure that they were taken care of. When we live in a culture that spends 800 some billion dollars a year on the largest standing military, we begin to see what egg we have on our face as a culture in terms of the global community's perception of the United States. We see that we are not at all setting a good example for how to solve conflict with diplomacy, communication, and at all measures, nonviolent methodologies. No resorting whatsoever to military initiatives to force various countries or nations or peoples around the world to go along with something that they are not prepared to do within their own country. This country's work is to be better stewards of ourselves and to make sure nobody in the United States is homeless, nobody in the United States goes to bed without a good meal, nobody in this country should be living without a really good quality shelter and really good hygiene and a caring and loving community who isn't overstressed, overworked, and underpaid by a corporate sector who is overpaying themselves, underworked, and experiences no stress whatsoever. This is injustice, this is immoral, and it is unethical. And what permaculture has akin to the work of King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and to the work of black power activists, and to the work of feminists, and to the work of farmers' rights and workers' rights around the world is to recognize that the first order of business is to create an economy at home that respects the health and well-being 
of all the people. And we add to that all the species through all time. Not some of the species, not some of the people, not some of the time. We'll find that we need an expansive perspective to be healers, that contractive, reductionist, separatist mentalities actually very rarely are able to heal and usually lead to good alleviation of symptoms and band-aid fixes and perhaps avoiding catastrophic die-off events but are not very useful when it comes to preventative measures to healing the whole system. Permaculture takes that big picture view that enables us to have perspective and become relevant to the world around us by recognizing that we are all intrinsically, inseparably interconnected, whether or not we like it. It's not a matter of philosophical disputation. It is, to use a Joycean phrase, our ineluctable modality by virtue of being biological organisms existing in a biosphere that is regulated and interrelated through all of us. So for today, I'd like to wrap up with offering those thoughts for you on the connections between the nonviolence movement, the civil rights activist movement, perspectives from Martin Luther King Jr., recognizing and remembrance of the great work he left with us and also recognizing how premature his life was cut short and how much we've lost because of losing a person who offered such powerful insights so young in life. So let us hold the world in our hands and take care of future generations and create a better inheritance by being more caring, more responsible, and learning from those who have gone before us the great lessons that they have to teach. Thanks for listening. Now. I look forward to hearing from you. Be well.
Thank you.